0: Villa's Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go, to know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Let's pray. Lord, we gather together this morning to worship You as we have already done in song. Lord, as we now turn our hearts towards your word. We pray that we allow your word to convict us as your spirit deems necessary individually to each one of us. We are thankful for him being implanted in us because of the work of Jesus. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. So in an emergency situation, you're definitely dialing 911. If you have a true, legitimate emergency I would imagine 911 would be your go to phone number. I just want to read a quick transcript to you. This is from Friday, July 13th, 2018, and the time was 12 a.m. This is a real live transcript from a 911 call. 911 operator, 911 fire and police, this call is being recorded. What's your emergency? The caller. This is Ellen, I, I, I need help. 911 operator, what's your current location? Caller, my house, 913 Kingman Drive. 911 operator, can you spell that address for me? Caller, King, Kingman, K-I-N-G-M-A-N drive, D-R-I-V-E. The operator, okay. Please verify I have this correct, 913 Kingman Drive, yes. Operator, what's your emergency? Caller, he's coming. Operator, who? Caller, oh no, oh, oh, no, no, no. Operator, Ellen, I need you to calm down and tell me what's going on. Caller, he'll hear me. Operator, Ellen, get somewhere safe and hide. Stay on the phone with me. Do you have somewhere to hide? Caller, oh, oh, oh okay, I, I'm hiding in the closet now. Operator, okay, good. Who will hear you? Do you know who this person is? Caller, no, I'm not sure what it is exactly. Operator, are you hurt? Caller, no, I don't think I have long until he or or it, it finds me. Operator, can you tell me what happened? How did he get in the house? Does he have a weapon? Caller, just get the police here now, please. Operator, they are on their way, sweetie. I need you to stay calm and talk to me until they arrive. What if the 911 dispatcher would have responded differently? What if the 911 dispatcher would have said, you know, we really don't have time for that. We're going to have to do that another time. I mean, I'm hearing you and all and what you're saying, but we just don't have the time to send a squad car out there to check in on you and your emergency. So just, you know, why don't you call us back at a later date? Brothers and sisters, if we call 911, we would expect the dispatcher to respond to our emergency, wouldn't we? We're not calling 911 expecting zero results. We're actually calling 911 to expect a result or we're calling because we would expect them to come. I think we're all confident in the dialing of those three digits. In the same way, the Lord expects us to respond to. If we could look at 911 with something as confidence and something that they're going to respond to our emergency, the Lord expects us to respond in the same way, but maybe even more so. See, the Lord expects us to respond to His Word. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. Hear and respond. Hear And respond. Today we're going to be in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. But before we get into these verses today, we can't forget what happened last week. Pastor Jared preached from James, chapter 1, verses 13 through 18, and we were reminded that Jesus came on a rescue mission to save us for the simple fact that we were born sinners. No one had to teach us how to sin. We were born into a natural propensity to sin. We were reminded that Jesus and this rescue mission was something that we actually need because this rescue mission has everything to do with the gospel, from Genesis to Revelation. And it is the work of Jesus, and then now the implanting of His Spirit in our hearts, if we have a saving faith in Him, that allows us to understand what this rescue mission is all about about. Today we're going to be encouraged to hear and respond to God's Word. We cannot simply just know God's Word though, and that's something that we have to get straight right out the gate. It is not good enough for us to just know God's Word. We must not only know His Word, but we must act or respond accordingly. So with all that being said, let's get into the text this morning. James chapter 1. As we take these verses this morning and put them into one sentence to come up with our main idea of what is being said here this morning, that one simple sentence states this. The mark of a Christian is someone who hears the gospel and responds accordingly. You could go a step further, though. You could even say the mark of a true Christian. The mark of a Christian is someone who hears the gospel And responds accordingly. As we look at verses 19 through 21, we understand that the word, aka the gospel, is transformative. God's word transforms our lives. In John 3, Nicodemus is told by Jesus Himself that you must be born again. That's a transformation that only the Word, Jesus Himself, can bring to life within our own lives. You become a new person due to your response to the Word, but as a believer, as a Christian, it doesn't end right there. In fact, that new birth is only the beginning. Now, anyone who knows me would know that verse 19 is actually the opposite for me. Most of you would know that I am very quick to speak and very slow to hear. Thank you. And when that comes from your wife, you know it's true. Brothers and sisters, be quick to hear, slow to speak so that the word can convict That's what's really being said here. See, as we go through this text this morning, you you need to get something straight. Otherwise, you're going to get it all wrong. The whole purpose of us hearing God's Word is for us to allow God's Word to convict us. The Holy Spirit who lives within us convicts us according to what God's Word says. And it's a matter of not whether we're going to allow that conviction to take place. But if we know that God is transforming us into Christ's likeness we will welcome the conviction as we know the end result will end in righteousness as we will see. But those who are quick to hear are also eager for the gospel to be proclaimed. If you're quick to hear, really you're just eager to hear the gospel. Again, half of our main idea this morning states that the mark of a Christian is someone who hears the gospel. So the question for you is, are you eager to want to even hear the gospel? A Christian wants to hear the word. However, in order to be effective to hear, one must be slow to speak. We need to be eager to want to hear the gospel being proclaimed, but in order to do that effectively, we must also be slow to speak, because if we're speaking, we're not actually hearing. Sometimes those slow to speak come off as being more intelligent than what they really are. We all know people like that. They might be a woman or a man of few words, and then when they do speak, you are more reticent to listen because what they're saying comes across as being more profound because they speak when the opportunity is right, opposed to somebody else who uses many words most of the time, and then it's just kind of hard to decipher what it is that sounds more profound over something else. See, culture today is counterintuitive to this. This is the opposite of culture today. Culture today promotes an outward expression of one's feelings because it's all about how you feel. And then we're given all these endless opportunities to express our feelings to the rest of the world. See, the comment sections on social media are littered with those who are quick to speak. That's really all they are. People popping off on the keyboard. Speaking of comment sections... When you actually read through the comment sections from none other than the peanut gallery, because that's all those comment sections are, remember that you need to be slowed to anger. Because if you're honest with yourself, you know that you go through the comment sections and read some of the comments sometimes that people write on social media and it angers you, doesn't it? Let's just be honest, let's be real. Now, you you can do what I've found that I need to do because I've been in those same positions myself. If I'm being fully disclosed here right now, I've had moments in my life where the comment section actually really gets me going and got me angry and maybe had me being quick to speak, typing some things out I shouldn't have been typing, getting other people in the loop. But as I've gotten older, what I've learned, the comment section is actually comedy, it is hilarious. And nothing is funnier than the comment section in your neighborhood's local Facebook page. That's usually the best. I mean, comedic gold can be found in there. When you see two people going at it back and forth and you're just sitting there thinking like, when it's all said and done and in light of eternity, none of this even matters. Be slow to speak, quick to hear, and slow to anger. Verse 20 says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Again, a.k.a. the word, a.k.a. the gospel is transformative. That's right. We're being transformed into the image of the Son. We're being transformed into Christ's likeness. This isn't finished with us. Coming to a saving faith in Jesus is only the beginning. Walking with the Lord is a journey. It's not an easy journey, but it can be an enjoyable journey if we allow Him to transform us. Human anger is actually just nothing more than a waste of energy. Human anger is divisive. Human anger derives actually from selfish ambition. And really when it comes down to it, human anger is really nothing more than just a lack of self-control. Because anger derives out of situations when you don't have control over the situation. Learning to control your anger is learning to be okay with not being in control. Proverbs twenty-nine twenty-two says this, a man of wrath stirs up strife, And one given to anger causes much transgression. See, when we think about that, then we go to verse 21, we understand that we're being encouraged to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Now, before we continue, we must understand that a lot of us have implants. There's good implants and then there's bad implants. Me, personally speaking... On my right arm, from my shoulder down to my wrist, I have multiple implants in my body. I probably have six anchor screws in my right shoulder. I have a Herbert screw holding a bone together in my wrist. I'm thankful for these implants. These implants have allowed me to play catch with my children. These implants allow me to just partake in normal Functions of everyday life that I probably wouldn't be able to partake in if it wasn't for these implants being put into my body Some of you have artificial hips or knees In fact the town that my wife and I come from There's a good chance if you do have an artificial hip or knee probably about used to be maybe this statistic isn't there as much as it once was a 75% chance that that hip or knee or whatever implant that you have came from the hometown that we're from. In fact, the screw in my wrist comes from one of the companies in my hometown. In fact, here in Fort Myers and in Naples, Arthrex is a company who puts implants into the body. Implants can be a really, really good thing. They can be used for bad. There's some areas where I wouldn't suggest getting an implant, but there's other areas Where I would, I would stick away from the vanity section personally. I'm not telling you what to do. But I think my point is being made and it is very clear. Some of you are smirking right now. What do you think it is that I'm referring to? (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, implants are a good thing. There's nothing wrong with an implant if it's being used for something like that. I can attest, and I'm sure some of you can as well, implants have given me a better quality of life. Those with a saving faith in Jesus, as it says right here in the text, have been implanted with the Word. Those with a saving faith in Jesus have been implanted with the Holy Spirit. If you have saving faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has been implanted into your heart. See, Hebrews 4.12 reminds us of as much where it says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is why we should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Christians are eager to hear the gospel. You as a believer should be eager to hear God's word preached. And it's the Holy Spirit in our hearts who translates this truth. We need to listen to Him. The gospel is not rocket science. The gospel is simple and basic only of the Holy Spirit. We don't look at the gospel message as being foolish, but the rest of the world, those who do not have the implanted word living within their hearts, they think the gospel is the foolishness that they try to avoid. We embrace what the world says is being foolish. We are counter to culture. And this brings us to our first point this morning. In order to hear the implanted word or the implanted righteousness of God, because that's the same thing, the Christian must be slow to speak and anger. In order to hear from the implanted righteousness of God, the Christian must be slow to speak and anger. Again, our main idea this morning states this the mark of a Christian is someone who hears the gospel and responds accordingly. So we already know that in order to respond accordingly, you need to be slow to speak, slow to anger, but be quick to hear. If we look at verses 23 to 25, we we see something much differently because right there in 22 it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So we can't just be quick to hear and then leave it there. We also must be doers. This is where our sermon title comes into play this morning, hear and respond. So now we need to respond to what it is that we're actually hearing. And just like our 911 dispatcher, what if we actually had to call 911, had a legit, authentic emergency, but then the dispatcher at the end of the day decided, you know what? I'm hearing you. It sounds legit. I know you really need some assistance right now, but you know what? We're just not going to send anybody because we just don't have time for that. If we don't respond to the gospel, we're doing the exact same thing. Jesus said the same in Luke 11, verse 28. I'm just gonna read it for you. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Jesus is basically saying it's not good enough for you to just hear the word of God, you must keep it, you must respond to what you're actually hearing. Christianity is not about what you don't do. Too many people get it twisted. They think, well, I'm a Christian because I don't do this or that or that or that or that. That doesn't make you a Christian. You're a Christian by what you do do. Jesus is calling us to respond to His implanted Word within our hearts. Brothers and sisters, sermons... The preaching of God's word, what's actually happening right now, what you're you're listening to right now is not just some moralistic theological lecture. Every sermon preached should be a proclamation of the gospel. Every sermon preached should resonate with the implanted word within you. Every sermon preached should not be treated like an audited course in academia. Any of you that have taking any collegiate-level courses, you've been in a course where somebody's actually audited a course, and what that means is this. You sit in on every single lecture, but then you don't do any of the work. If you actually take the course for college credit, you have to sit in on the lectures and then do the work that's been given out in the syllabus. We're not being called to audit the gospel, church. We're being called to respond to God's Word. It's not good enough for us to just hear His Word. We must be doers as well. And as a Christian, you should be eager to want to hear the Word being proclaimed so that you can apply it in your life. That is the mark of a Christian also, somebody who wants to hear the gospel. And that's the reason why we see so many churches that that claim to, to be churches that really aren't even preaching the gospel. And people feel like they're doing stuff because they go out into the community and do things and serve. But that's not what we're talking about here with being a doer. Because if that were our measuring stick... Everything that we've been able to do here at VG since Hurricane Ian, we would look good. It would look like, yeah, we're fulfilling everything that James is saying here. That's not what's being proclaimed right now. We're not being encouraged to go out into the community and and serve others because we've heard the gospel. That's not what James is getting to right here. We're being called to hear God's word and allow the implanted word of righteousness to convict us into repentance. Any gospel message that lacks repentance is not the gospel at all. Our job then as believers, as we do these things, is to be used by the Lord then to go out into the community and share that message. So as we Get the opportunity going forward to serve our community. We serve them with the underlining intention of administering to them the gospel that calls us all into repentance. A gospel message that lacks repentance is no gospel at all. Jesus didn't conquer the grave so we can neglect our sin. Jesus conquered the grave to free us up so we can admit our sinfulness and continually learn how to repent so we can continue to enjoy the journey of walking with Christ. Again, we're not one and done with our sanctification. We're one and done with our salvation. You come to that saving faith in Jesus. You are born again as a creation. You are being transformed then. His work made that one and done, but now the journey is something we get to enjoy, even though that, what would we study a couple weeks ago? Even though there's going to be a tremendous amount of suffering along the way. Suffering will happen, but that suffering shapes and molds us into the Christ-likeness that we need to be shaped and molded into so the Lord can continue to use us. This is why we're saying this morning, the second half of that main idea, those who hear the gospel respond accordingly. That's what it means to respond accordingly is to listen to the Holy Spirit implanted in you as He convicts you of your sin and then you can repent accordingly. Verses 23 and 24, I want to read these for you. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. See, I hate to burst some of your bubbles here. Your natural face is the less attractive one. You look in the mirror at your natural face. Now, for us guys, it's a little bit different. We don't have as much to do in front of the mirror, but you ladies, you can really doll yourselves up. But it's that natural face. That's who we really are. And that's who I believe James is reminding us of this morning, not to forget what that person looks like. Because when you start forgetting what that person looks like, then you start forgetting that you actually need Jesus each and every day. In fact, as you enjoy that walk with Christ, as you continue to learn how to follow Him, you're going to learn how much you actually need Him. Brothers and sisters, it's the implanted Word who reminds us of who we are without Jesus. And we can't forget that. It's not us. That's why you need to sit here this morning. That's why I need to study all week and then have an outpouring of everything that I learned from the Scriptures this week and for you to listen. But I'm also listening to the Word of God as I'm studying. I'm even listening to myself as I'm sitting here preaching to you because I need this just as much as you need this. If we don't hear the word being proclaimed, if we're not reading scripture, how can the Holy Spirit convict us? What then becomes the standard? That's why we say sermons aren't just some moralistic lecture. Scripture is a pro- or sermons are a proclamation of God's truth, God's universal truth. Again, it's the implanted word who keeps the Christian eager To hear the gospel. I don't want to hear the gospel without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, I have no use for God's Word. Why would I want to listen to conviction when I can go do it on my own and be the master of my own moralistic compass? It's the Holy Spirit who places the morals in my heart according to what God's Word says. That's why we're being encouraged to be quick to hear slow to speak, and slow to anger. We should eagerly want to hear the word of life. Think about this. We should want to be eager to hear the word of life as we live in this flesh of death. The flesh you're in now is done. The flesh you're in now doesn't make it past this world. When God destroys the heavens and the earth, your flesh goes along with it. But we know according to the gospel that we receive a resurrected body, one that's never been stained by sin because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. So as long as I'm a believer on this earth, I should allow the Holy Spirit to get me excited to hear this word of life that we get to preach to ourselves first and foremost and to one another in the church as we fellowship because the flesh of death that we're in is doomed. And as Joe joins me and we close out with verse 25, I just want us to know that this encourages us in how to do this. Verse 25 says this, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. See, they persevere because they respond. Christians who persevere can only do so because they respond to the word. Brothers and sisters, it's not good enough to simply just know the truth. It doesn't matter if you know how many threads were woven into Moses' robe or not. That doesn't mean a thing especially if you're simply a hearer who forgets. So he doesn't know how many threads maybe, she may not know how many threads were woven into Moses' robe, but you're a doer who acts, then he will be blessed in his doing. That's what matters. You can know a lot about the Bible, but do nothing about it. Or you can know little about the Bible, but do everything about what you know, or do everything that you can about the little that you know, and that's what this is all about. Because you're responding to the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it's just a class that's being audited for information. So what will it be, Villa's Grace? As we continue to go through this book of James, what will it be for you personally in your life? Are you going to be doers of the word or hearers only? And this brings us to our second point. Those who respond to the word are truly blessed. If you want to be truly blessed in life, you will respond to the word because a blessing has everything to do with eternity. A blessing has everything to do with our salvation. Because we know that we're saved, we Therefore, have the Holy Spirit implanted into our hearts, and now we can respond accordingly to what we hear from God's Word. Again, our first point this morning stated this. In order to hear from the implanted righteousness of God, the Christian must be slow to speak and anger. And finally, our main idea for these verses this morning stated this. The mark of a Christian is someone who hears the gospel and responds accordingly. Let's pray. Lord, as we continue to follow you, we know that there's going to be trials, tribulations, and suffering, but we know that the ultimate goal is to transform us into Christ-likeness. Allow us to be a church that encourages one another in that journey. Also, Lord, use us as a church to share the good news of you so we can see others come to a saving faith for all of eternity because of what Christ did for us on the cross. It is in His name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.